0: James opens chapter five, talking to the rich people. And literally hardly anyone in this room would consider themselves rich. Uh, But there are people around the globe that would consider you very rich. It's all a matter of perspective. How much do you have to have to be rich? And let's be fair. Being rich does not make you evil. Zacchaeus did it okay. Joseph of Arimathea gave up his only tomb for the Lord. And there are others in Scripture. Conversely, being poor doesn't make you righteous. So rich doesn't make you evil, poor doesn't make you righteous. We, you go, but pastor, money is the root of all evil. Actually, 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says the love of money. You can have a love affair with finances and not have very much money in your bank account. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The love of money. How much do we love money? I have a mythical bag of cash. It doesn't exist. It never will exist. But my thought is, you know, someday someone's going to bring me a bag of cash. Then all my problems will go away. How many know that? First of all, it's never going to happen. Secondly, even if I did have a bag of cash, big bag. It wouldn't eliminate all the troubles, it might create some more troubles. We have to keep money in perspective. Not only is how much do you love money important, what will you do to get it? That's the bigger problem. What will you allow yourself to do? What will you compromise? What will you turn your eye to, to get that money? That's the bigger question. And then once you have it, what do you think it will buy you? Will it buy you happiness, fulfillment, favor? Does your wealth make you better than somebody else? Does your checkbook make God like you more? How many know you cannot buy favor from God? No matter how much is dropped in your lap, it's not enough to make you more loved by God. And it doesn't show that God loves you. It's just a separate fact. Acts chapter 8 there's a great story. Peter's preaching to the people and there's one that says, "Hey, can I buy that?" He was laying hands on people and they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues, the whole the whole ball of wax. It was all happening at the moment. And Simon goes, Peter, what does it cost for me to have what you have? And it just fired up Peter. He said, really? You think that because you got a lot of money that somehow you can buy your way into serving God? Your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. Your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord, if possible, the intent of your heart would be forgiven. Sometimes we think in our minds we can elevate our status through giving or cash or, or wealth. Somehow we, God owes us or the church owes us. Giving is not a way to get favor. It's just an act of faith. Point number one, God keeps the real books. We live in such an artificial society and we honor the rich and we neglect the poor and we think somehow people are better by what they drive in our parking lot. And it's not true. God loves everybody exactly the same. If you read the accounts of the kings, there's a little tagline after every king and it says something like this, and that king did evil in the sight of the Lord. Or it will say, and that king did good in the sight of the Lord. Guess what? Either way, it's in the sight of the Lord. We are all living our lives in the sight of the Lord In James 5, verse 7 through 9, James just notices that there's an element that needs to happen in all of our lives. We need to have a little patience. Did you know that patience is a fruit of the Spirit? It's not just a virtue. It's an indication the Holy Spirit is working in your life and that you have faith and trust. Faith, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And it says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Being patient about it. This is where I tell my bean story. If you've heard it before, just have a little patience with this one. Lack of patience can ruin your crop. Second grade, everyone got a little milk carton. And we got some dirt. And we got one bean. And we were supposed to grow this bean and show how it all worked. And the teacher said, you, there's two things for your bean to grow. You need to have sunlight. So we're going to put all the beans by the window. And then you need to add water. That's all you need for the bean to grow. So I'm sitting there. and I'm so excited because I want my bean to be the best bean in the whole class. I want people to go, what an amazing bean, Pastor Dave. They didn't know I was a pastor, but little Davey and his bean. So I got my bean. I put it in the dirt as carefully as I could, covered it all up, got the best spot best window spot, sunshine's coming in. And I thought that bean. I put a little water in there and I thought this is going to be awesome. And I watched all day. Not one thing happened. (laughs) And I begin to take inventory. Now, have I got my bean in the right spot? Yeah, the sun's coming through. Everything's great okay, did I add water? I go, yeah, I added water. And then I thought, well, maybe I didn't add enough water. And I poured more water in there. And I waited till the end of class and I thought, crud, still nothing. So I thought, well, in the morning, I'll see what happened. I come in the morning, I was really excited for my being. Nothing. And I thought, well, I better add more water. I didn't know it was possible to drown a bean. My bean was the only bean that never produced fruit. It was a muddy soup in one bean. And I learned a valuable lesson. Everyone else had great fruit coming out of there. You have to have some patience. Hey, folks, you need to have a little patience in your life says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Be patient. Good things happen when we honor it up. Point number two, God keeps the real calendar. We think we're in charge, and we think we know when things should happen, and we get upset if they don't happen when we want them to, Trust the Lord, He knows what's going on. And here's the sad thing not only are we impatient with God, we're impatient with each other. Look at verse 9, James 5 9. Don't grumble against one another, don't be all angry at one another, don't judge one another. The real judge is standing at the door. When we put our expectations on others, When we have sailed through lessons, no problem. We get upset when others take a little longer. Why can't they keep up? And guess what? People get hurt when we do that. And they feel condemned. And the kingdom actually goes backwards because we have no patience. Aren't you glad you don't get judged on the things that take you a little longer to figure out? Aren't you glad that the body of Christ is actually cheering you on? You can do this. You can get it figured out. The better way to have patience and lots of grace. Look at verse 10 and 11. As an example of suffering and patient, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You heard of the steadfastness of Job. You've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Let there be patience. We're all in this together. Suffering actually can pull us together if we have patience for one another. Whatever we're going through, the Bible says, as one suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we all. Re-. We're together on this. And the best. Fruit we can show one another is patience. Trust the Lord. Hey, if he got you out of the messes you got yourself into and you're looking so good today, just think what he can do with others. He loves everybody the same. I don't know what kind of trouble you're going through, but trust the Lord. He's going to, don't give up. Well, I prayed about it once. Keep praying. Keep pouring it on. Keep trusting the Lord. Have some patience. God cares about you. Look at at James 5, verse 13 and 14. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any sick? Call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anoint him with the oil in the name of the Lord. Do you know the oil represents the Holy Spirit? God cares about what you're going through physically. I, I told you Karen wasn't feeling good today, but it's not because of the sickness. It's the cure that's got her down a little bit. The chemo. It's okay. They do rounds of three. She started her second round, and the first week of every round is a little extra. And the first time we did this, she got sick the weekend after that, and now it's happening again. So it's nothing terrible. In fact, all of her Blood work came back really positive, so give the Lord a hand. But sometimes you got to go through some stuff to get your healing. I don't know why, it just happens that way sometimes. Point number three healing comes in the name of the Lord. There's a lot of things that lead up to it, and we're praying, and we're believing, and we're doing. But in reality, look at verse 15. Healing comes in the name of the Lord. The prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Healing comes, and don't get confused. There's a lot of people that are good at praying for healing in this room, but it doesn't come from them. It comes from the Lord. It's by his stripes we are healed. Don't ever confuse that. And don't think of some person didn't spend enough time with you or some person, maybe prayer to a little shallow prayer. Healing comes in the name of the Lord. He will uphold his name. He cares about you and what you're going through. I, I, I learned this lesson well when I was a young youth pastor at my home church, and we are a worship service. Back then they had us all sit on the platform because they wanted to make sure we were in church, I guess. I don't know. But we were all up on the platform. And I watched this little lady, and she was coming down this aisle. And it was during worship, and I thought, well, she's bold, she's coming a little closer, probably going to sit right over here where all the you know, spiritual people sit. And, uh, but she kept walking. Now I'm getting a little uncomfortable. She's not going to be a front rower or anything, right? You know, that, that's another brand. She came past the front row and she stood right here. This little lady. And Wayne Francis was my pastor and he walked up to the pulpit and he leaned over and said, can I help you? And I'm going, oh man, it's getting weird in church today. And she goes, yes, I'd just like to give a testimony. Cool. And then I relax. I go, okay, that's not so weird. Um, And she said, a year ago, during this time, you called for people that were sick to be prayed for. And Pastor Dave, and all of a sudden, I'm going, what did I do? Pastor Dave prayed for me. I had breast cancer. And surgery was on Monday. And I just wanted to have a prayer before surgery. Now, I don't remember this lady. I don't remember the prayer. I don't know if it was a good one or not a good one. Aren't you glad healing comes in the name of the Lord? And she said these words. I went in for surgery. And they took one last look before they opened me up. And they took a second look. And they told me, we can't find any cancer. And I'm sitting on the platform and I'm looking at my hands like, whoa. whoa." (laughs) These hands are going to fill auditoriums for that. And then the Lord reminded me, really? Because you don't even remember praying for her. And I went, you're right. I I wasn't a very big part of that. Healing comes in the name of the Lord. It's by his stripes we're healed. We do our part, but it's so small. We have a little bit of faith, but it's not huge. We say some words, they may or may not be that spiritual. But God takes that prayer and says, I'll step in now and we're going to rearrange this body, and we're going to do something awesome in their life. And people get healed. And we go, well, only if you have enough faith. Really? I remember Lazarus was so sick he died. And Jesus spoke to the tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, dead people have zero faith. Zero, they have nothing to contribute. And Lazarus came forth. Healing comes in the name of the Lord. Even if you have just a little tiny bit of faith, it's enough for God. Look at verse 16, James 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you would be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. Point number four, confession and prayer open the door for good things to happen. I want to just hover on this for a little bit. It's a strange connection, healing and confessing sin. Unconfessed sin will eat away at you. If you're trying to pretend to be something you're not, your insides will rot and it will affect your physical body. If nothing more, you're going to have a hard time sleeping when you know you're not doing what you should be doing or you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And it's beginning to become too big of a battle between what you should have and what you are. That's where confession comes in. It's good for the soul. hey folks, you don't need the lewd details to be confessed. A simple ask for help. A simple, I'm having a rough go. Simply I'm not doing what I should be doing is enough. To get all in the details of your personal life really isn't that necessary. But we do need to ask for help for one another. Could you pray for me this week? It's going to be a rough week. Could you help me walk through what I got to walk through? You know, it's funny, uh, not very often. And when I say funny, I don't mean ha. I mean odd, different. The Pope had to defrock the U.S. Cardinal this week. He was abusing people. And he was... It's really interesting, but it it connected his confessional. People would confess to him, and then he would find a way to worm into their life, and he would sexually abuse children and adults. We don't need all those details. Sometimes we hear someone's confession, and and we get a bad response. We get a response that says, well, at least I'm better than that guy. Or that gal we get begin to compare and contrast confession can literally become a bad thing let's keep it right let's in honor preferring one another let's go the extra mile to help somebody out and if they can unload something that's been on their chest and they can get free of it through confession we pray that god's blood will wash away every sin and empower them to live a better life. Don't you know we'll go farther? Save the judgment for later. Let's help each other out. You know, the the goal isn't to find out everybody's sin. The goal is restoration. Look at verse 19 and 20 of James. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and Someone brings them back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. That's called restoration. If we can help each other out, it's hard. It's difficult. When I was a young believer, there was a musician, some of you will remember Chuck Gerard. He wrote a song called Don't Shoot the Wounded as believers, let's not pile on when someone's down. Let's help them out. Don't shoot the wounded. They need us more than ever. Have you ever had a hard time in your life where you're hoping someone would help you? I pray that God did help you. I think of the woman caught in adultery. She was in a rough place. The law said stoner. The law said she had no value. The law said death for that sin. And Jesus said, Let him who has no sin cast the first stone. And everyone had to leave. And yet there was one who did have no sin. It was Jesus. And would you believe he did not cast the first stone? He said, Your sins have been forgiven. You go and sin no more. You get a start. You get a do-over. You get a chance to live the Christian life like you've always wanted to live it with help and hope. Confession's good for the soul. And you know what? It's good for the body too. You're going to feel better about yourself. You're going to feel so good. You're going to sleep well tonight. I want to pray. Jesus, in this room, some are struggling. They're struggling with how they view one another. They're struggling with personal items in their life. They're just struggling, wondering if you care about them. Maybe they ran out of patience. I don't know all the issues going on, but I know we all need help. The first step of confession is to the Lord and saying, God, help me. I need some help. If that's you, just lift your hand and I'll know I'm praying for somebody. Yeah, just help me, Lord. I'm not quite where I should be. I'm not quite at the place I should be. So many have lifted your hands. I want you to know you're not alone. We all need some help along the way. We know what we ought to do, but we don't do it very well. And Paul said, what a miserable wretch I am. Thank be to God for Jesus Christ who somehow loves us anyway. Lord, many of us recognize a need. We want to do better. We want to to see good things happen. We want to be a better witness. We want to be able to help someone else that's struggling, not just struggle our own selves, but help someone else. Without judgment, just be kind and encouraging. Bless the people. May they be encouraged by your word. In your name, amen.